All right. Hello. Welcome to the Seeking Context podcast. This is Justin, and uh, my guests this week are Gina Nevisar and Emma Doggett-Niergaard, and uh, we were all classmates at Harvard Business School. Uh, we met 12 years ago in August of 2008, and uh, the title of this episode is Great Expectations, because uh, Gina and Emma and I were all single at the time, or we didn't end up with the people we were with at the time, if you had secret boyfriends. And uh, <laughs> and, uh, <No>. married <laughs> and started families. And uh, Gina has uh, since co-founded a company that uh, helps mothers uh, get pregnant and get through their pregnancy. And Emma has used that app. And we're gonna talk about um, what it's like going through a pregnancy uh, using technology and seeing your friend kind of help you through it. And as well, uh, we're gonna start out talking about uh, why people go to business school and what they get out of it and if it helped them or just put them in debt and they regret it. <laughs> and uh, so anyway, Gina and Emma, welcome. Thanks. Uh, I want to start out with just talking about um, like your life before we met. So, uh, Gina, you uh, you were in aerospace, right, before business school, and then what did what made you think, hey, I want to make it? And you, you didn't stay in aerospace, so I assume you went to business school for a change. But tell me what was going on at that point in your life. Yeah. So before school. I um, had studied engineering and then was uh, since running a production line at an aerospace firm making hardware for satellites. You were in charge? I was in charge of, yeah, about about 50 people doing manual assembly on an assembly line. And uh, at that point, really knew I wanted to start my own business. So very boring reason for going to business school. I thought I'd go and get business skills. I thought, you know, maybe if I want to start a business, I should learn something about accounting or marketing or, um, you know, know how to price something. <laughs> so I uh, applied to business school with the yeah the very utilitarian reason of, of wanting to get a business education. <laughs> um, I knew I wanted to start a business then. I remember putting it into the application, even the, the business plan or idea, rather, like rough idea. <laughs> cool. And... Um, Emma, you were at Teach for America. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, so I assume you had a different objective, but I don't know. Tell me. Yeah, well, I was um, living in South Texas on the Mexican border, uh, working for Teach for America. I was running the regional site there, um, and I wanted to go to business school because I felt like, gosh, I know a lot about nonprofits in South Texas in education, and I don't know much about anything else. And I wanted to kind of expand my horizons and sort of hear what people were thinking and talking about when they talked about businesses and running things. Um, so I just I went to kind of expand my horizons. And I'm from Boston, so I also wanted to ideally come back closer to a little closer to home. So meaning you're you went to business school to understand what business people think, even though you didn't want to start or be in the business world directly. Is that- yeah, I, I, I wasn't sure really where I wanted to go with my career, um, but I knew that I wanted to understand how organizations and systems worked. Um, and I felt like I needed to understand that both in the private sector as well as the public sector in order to be sort of well-rounded and understand like the best of what was out there. Cool. Um, and so Gina, what about you when you got there? What was it like, like what you thought? No, not at all. <laughs> uh, I mean, when I, 
I don't know how about you two, but when I got in, I thought I had just gotten this like ticket to the moon. <laughs> I felt uh, just really lucky. I knew that, you know, there's probably 10 other people that could take any of our places. Um, but what Emma went there for was what I think I was surprised to learn. I was so shocked when I got there about how much of the experience was about learning how to think and learning how operations worked and just learning from other people. Uh, mm -hmm. I was so overwhelmed by the people that I met. I, uh, I mean, I even remember meeting you two. <laughs> I remember, meeting, I remember you, uh, Emma, talking about uh, your job and in class and how how you wanted to go into education. And I just was so inspired about thinking about education at scale. Um, and then Justin, I remember you telling some story about some. Uh, business you had started when you were 12. Uh, I don't want to say what you were selling because it's kind of, I think it might, it might be kind of naughty. Was it fire, fireworks? Fireworks. They're not naughty. They're explosive <laughs> things that celebrate the birth of our country. <laughs> not even Massachusetts. I know. But I remember being just so impressed. Like that guy takes risks. He's going to do something special. He, uh, I was like, I'm going to watch what that, what that guy does afterwards. I was, I was so impressed. Cool. So you, the things that you taught or were learned were different than what you thought. You would, you would I think so. I, I didn't know. I thought I would just be learning, like going there for the education. I'm going to learn about accounting. I'm going to learn about finance. And just with the, the Socratic method and the case method about just training your brain how to think, I think even now, 12 years later, I still apply some of the, you know, some of the ways that I was, uh, the approaches that I had learned at HBS. Mm -hmm. I don't know, do you feel that way or did you, <laughs> you're like, no, it was worthless. <laughs> I just no, I agree. I mean, I think that like way of thinking, but also the sort of thinking on your feet with limited information, I feel like I've that's been really um, helpful to me to be able to sort of have to have some sort of opinion or ask good questions when you don't really know the whole story. Uh, we just did that like every single day. Um, and sometimes it was annoying, like people were making stuff up. <laughs> and sometimes it was like a really good, you know, you're on the spot and you had to say something that sounded intelligent. Um, but I, I definitely, I actually, I don't know if you all know this, but I applied to HBS twice, two years in a row, and I didn't get in the first year. No. And I really, really wanted to go. So I waited a year and applied again. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was like, so I was really, really excited when I got, I got a spot that second year and sort of knew like how hard it was <laughs> to get in. I was like, I gave it a good shot the first time and it wasn't good enough. So, um, yeah, I was like really excited to be there, but it was, it was a major culture shock for me. I mean, I did not understand what anyone was saying for probably two or three months in class because they were like, it took me a really long time to figure out what like P and L was. I was like, what do they keep saying? P and L. I've never heard of that before. And um, I don't know. I remember meeting you, Justin, at analytics at the, mm -hmm. the boot camp before everyone got there. Um, and yes, I was like, oh, people that, right, they knew that we knew nothing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was so relieved. I'm like, oh gosh, there are all these other people also who are coming in with like, no understanding of the business world um, and just really interesting people. I think I was pleasantly surprised by everyone I met. Um, I kind of thought like, oh, well, maybe it's all full of, you know, full of like people who are sort of very, don't care about the world or like don't care about making things better. Um, and that was totally wrong. Right, it's only half of them. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> some of them, but not all. <laughs> Emma, I, I remember in those classes where people uh, would take it to the next level in terms of their uh, financial yeah. situation. 
And I brought that up to one of our professors. It's like, I am not following. No. <laughs> and I remember the professor said, that's them, not you. <laughs> I should have asked. I just assumed it was me. So I was like, oh, I don't, I don't, I don't I know. I that. Are you talking about Adam Nevazar? I'm talking about my husband. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. Every time Adam started. talked, you were lost. <laughs> Yeah, he raised his hand. You knew, well, I don't. <laughs> hands down. <laughs> yeah, I sat behind him. His hand was up the whole time. <laughs> um, so, Emma, you went, um, tell me about the company you work for now, because you've been at the same company yes. like, since we left, right? Since we left. Um, so I work at an organization called Achievement Network, and we work with um, schools and school systems around how to provide really equitable, high-quality instruction to kids um, across the systems. And we work in urban and rural schools across, really across the country, it's national. When I joined, it was a um, pretty small organization. So I joined at the point where we were serving maybe, I don't know, a hundred schools. We're now serving almost a thousand. So it was it was wow. definitely like a trajectory of, on a trajectory of growth. And I was really excited about that. So I sort of wanted to join an organization that was um, doing something that I knew would be impactful because I'd been a teacher and I looked at what ANET was doing and said, you know, that would have been really helpful for me. Um, and then also saw an organization that was really positioned to grow and make an impact in more places. So how does it work? So the like a school um, yeah. like hires you and then they get better. <laughs> like what happens? That's the, that's the ideal. Um, yeah. Okay. So we're we're like external consultants, essentially. So we have a team of really amazing coaches who coach school principals and they coach district leaders. Um, they themselves have often been principals. So they're coaching from a orientation towards what's gonna be best for every kid in the building and how do I build the capacity of the leadership in order to make that happen. And then we also have instructional materials. So um, we have a series of assessments in math and reading that are given to students that help teachers really understand like what do their students know, what do they not know against um, the standards and help them kind of piece, a, piece together, well, how do I best serve each kid in my class uh, based on where they're at. And we help the principals help teachers understand like how to use that information as well as how to set up systems and structures and professional learning within their school to uh, overall improve the quality of education. So that sounds professionally satisfying. Yeah, I mean, it's it's been amazing. And I think, you know, especially in this past, you know, the past year has been just so challenging for schools, for educators. And we've been really humbled, I think, by how the schools that we work with continue to ask for our help, um, even in this really challenging time when there's so many, you know, public health issues to think about and school reopening. Um, our partners are coming back to us and saying, can you help us, you know, still? And we've had to adjust and grow a lot as an organization with new, you know, new ways of supporting new products, new things that help schools in this particular moment. So it's always changing. Um, and it has, I mean, this this been pretty dramatic this last year, but education's constantly, constantly changing. In the 10 years I've been there, we've we've changed a lot in order to best support schools and sort of what they need in the moment. Yeah. And so... I you believe that uh, your business education was helpful in getting the job, but then actually doing it. Yeah. 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 Um, I think, you know, I'm on the leadership team of the organization. You know, I've, I, I manage a team um, across 
a lot of different functions. I actually manage an engineering team um, and a team that works on product. And I manage a team that does professional development. And um, I feel like my job now is sort of across so many different domains. And I saw many of those in different cases that we wrote in business school in some way, um, as well as now have friends who've been able to help me in like all these different things. Like when I started supporting engineering and product, like Gina, I remember talking to you about how do you find a good product manager? What does a good product manager even do? Like, how should I understand this job? Um, and that's been enormously helpful because I wouldn't, I wouldn't have known anyone who's a product manager if I hadn't have gone to HBS. Right. What about you, Gina? You started a cool, kick-ass vending machine company when we graduated, <laughs> uh, and you did it. Right? You started a job. How did that go? Or you started a company? I mean. It was, it was great. <laughs> uh, the, um, uh, it's a little different than what I did before school and a little different than what I'm doing now. But <laughs> um, uh, like Justin, started a company out of business school in our second in my second year. Um, and it was at the time, you know, really exciting and novel. We were selling electronics out uh, and apparel out of these touchscreen vending machines that took credit cards, which was a crazy idea at the time. Um, and now you can get a, a COVID test out of a vending machine at the airport. So uh, um, it was it was really exciting. I certainly couldn't have done it without HBS. I leaned on professors. I, I got a, I remember I got a scholarship to do, to be able to do it and not pay my loans for a year. Uh, and um, uh, but I don't know if I would have been able to do that <laughs> without the education. Right. You really like you designed a vending machine and made one, right? Or you, I mean, you had it made. We bought a vending machine off the market and then we essentially hacked it to think, you know, use a touchscreen so that when you press, you know, blue T-shirt and medium, it thought, you know, E7 <laughs> would pick up the soda. So um, and we put the vending machines in airports and train stations and. Uh, and um, I was, you know, in even <laughs> up all night trying to get it to work. <laughs> uh, it was a, a very scrappy early. Um, yeah, uh, you were an entrepreneur. Yeah, and then um, was Ovia Health your next uh, thing, or did you have something in between? No, it went right from there to Ovia Health. Um, I had. Uh, you know, I, I was immediately after uh, just met uh, the uh, my two co-founders, and I think I met them on a Friday afternoon. They said, "Why don't you come Monday at nine a.m. Come work with us for free." And from then, it was you know, within a couple of weeks, we were working together. Um, decided to to make it official and, and became a co-founder of the business. Cool. And was that like Paris's idea or like did they just have some concept and you were in the idea stage? How did that all come together? So, um, so I had a product for the organization. And then so uh, the head of technology, my co-founder, he was getting his Ph.D. in statistics. So for those that don't know Via Health, it's a women's health and technology company. It helps people navigate their journeys through their fertility, pregnancy um, and parenthood. We, we currently sell to large health plans and employers to do kind of their clinical management for maternity and um, help employers, you know, support parents returning, you know, back to work after maternity leave. It's, uh, you know, it supports millions of people every day. 
But at the time when we got started, um, it was fertility. It was solely to help. It was the first company to use data science to predict someone's ovulation, to apply that to a reproductive data set. So it got started with my co-founder, Alex Barron. He and his wife were trying to have a family and start a family. And he was getting, um, you know, a degree in statistics and thought, I'm going to write an algorithm to predict her ovulation. So it's very romantic. <laughs> Uh, and then, uh, you know, he worked on it, uh, you know, he, he built the algorithms, it worked, they had a baby, uh, and ultimately he met my other co-founder and myself, and we thought, this is amazing, we could take this and apply it to all of reproductive health or maternal health, uh, you know, there's so many conditions uh, from, you know, infertility to preterm delivery to maternal mortality that could be prevented if people were um, given more accurate insights about their health. Uh, but it really just started with that that one idea back then of, um, you know, writing an algorithm to predict ovulation. That's pretty cool. And today, I mean, <laughs> millions of people use it, right? Is it? So we served about 15 million people. Uh, I joke that if you've met a baby recently, <laughs> it will be a baby. <laughs> uh, and uh, and you no, know, it's, it's and then we work with some of the biggest health plans and employers in the country. And it's, um, I like Emma. You know, very rewarding. <laughs> I I don't feel like there's a greater good than helping moms. Um, you know, giving kids healthier moms and and happier families. Uh, so it's a it's a very uh, motivating uh, business to be a part of now. I think so nine cool. years later. <laughs> yeah. So you've been a. The, the whole journey with Ovia was nine years, right? About nine years. I stopped counting after five. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think after three. What's the, what's the statistic that most businesses don't make it after three years? So after three, I was like, we made it. <laughs> You're good. <laughs> right. Um, no and, counting. <laughs> yeah, and in that time, so both of you have become mothers yourselves. Uh, Gina, so I know you like went through this process where you uh, recorded videos of your pregnancy while you were pregnant. And then, and now that's part of the app, right? That's part of the Ovia app. Was that your first pregnancy or, um, when, when you actually videoed it or, or did you, was that your second? I don't really know how that went down. It was my first pregnancy. So about six years ago, and it's funny now, uh, so it's been, these videos have been viewed like over 50 million times at this point. And so I'll get people like on the train station going, why aren't you pregnant? I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> like I just saw you on the app. <laughs> you liar. <laughs> uh, so, uh, but it's, it's funny if you're, if you're pregnant on Ovia and, and you're, you know, 20 weeks pregnant, you'll get the video in your feed of, of me at 20 weeks pregnant talking about what to expect that week and and Justin Emma Justin said you watch the videos but is that true yeah every week <laughs> Emma never told me this I was like oh thanks <laughs> what was funny is that I love the videos I was like looked forward to them every week I would like watch Gina and you know because we were in quarantine for a lot of my pregnancy I, I was it was kind of lonely so I felt like there's Gina like talking to me and what was hilarious is I thought I had told you I was pregnant because you were talking to me about your pregnancy in the app. And then when we were on our HBS class reunion, I think that was like in June, I remember sharing telling you that I was I was pregnant because my, my daughter was born at the end of August. And you were like, oh, congratulations. And I was like, oh, right. You've only, I've only been talking to you through the app <laughs> about this in real life. Um, oh, I like, yeah, no, the videos are great. 
And so, I mean, I mean, I've never been a mother. So what do you learn from the videos? Like, how is it helpful? Well, Gina always starts the videos with showing you how big is your baby that week by displaying some fruit or vegetable that is comparable to the size of the um, of the growing baby. So I also thought that that was great. And then you'd get like a high and a low of your week of pregnancy and, you know, other tidbits, products you liked. <laughs> so you're looking forward to it every week. You're like, oh, yeah, it was great. Out. That's cool. Uh, Gina, what kind of feedback have you got from... Uh, people that have watched them or used the app? Well, no, it's funny what Emma said about being in the pandemic and, and being alone. That's the number one thing I hear from people. Even before that, I the messages I get are, you know, I had one actually a week ago from someone. She's like, I, am, I'm, I got pregnant. I'm a teen pregnancy. I don't know anyone that's pregnant. I feel so alone. So just having you just feels like I have this friend that go through this with me. And I... That has been consistently the mo the most common yeah. feedback, and now now especially during the pandemic when you can't see other people, that people feel like they have at least somebody to go through this whole experience with. Um, and we take it for granted because we know all these people having kids, and <laughs> but so many people don't. You know, so many people they're the only one or the first one that that has experienced it. Yeah. And now Emma, actually, I don't know if I've told you, I'm six months pregnant now. Oh, congratulations. <laughs> yeah, I've been watching the videos with my kids. You're watching your own videos? <laughs> watching my, oh, it's kind of weird. <laughs> but now they every week are like, is there a new video? What's <laughs> the size of the fruit, of the growing fruit? Exactly, the growing fruit. <laughs> That's kind of meta. <laughs> I know, it's funny. Yeah, it I'm trying to explain it. I'm like, Hazel, this is you. <laughs> and she's like, did you yeah. know, mom? And Emma, you said that um, you also used the fertility part the, the before yeah. you got and so yeah, I used the fertility one. Yeah, so how does that how does that work? Um, you said you didn't have trouble getting pregnant, but you still used it. So what what, what is that like? So so being the business school graduate that I am and loving data, I figured okay, well here's an app that actually applies like data and science to fertility and it tells you it's like a, it's like a calendar basically with all sorts of information you can enter and tips about fertility um, but I used it to sort of figure out, okay, well, when am I most fertile? Like what's the cycle look like? Um, and it, it was very accurate. It worked. <laughs> That's cool. so then, and then once you get pregnant, you graduate to the, the, the pregnancy app and then Gina starts talking to you on videos. Oh, so it's like a like the bonus level? Of yeah, it's like download then? the next level. <laughs> cool. Gina, is that uh, fertility? Like where do most of the women end up using you? Is it pregnancy or is it fertility or is it everything? How does the business really work? It's everything. It's it's. Um, I think a lot of people assume it's people – like you just assumed, like it's people who have trouble, but it's not, it's it's anyone. Um, it's not just for people who have trouble because I don't I don't know, I don't know how you feel. I think you go your whole life trying not to get pregnant. Exactly, and then all of a sudden you want to. <laughs> and all of a sudden you're like, I wanna get pregnant now. <laughs> uh, and then you don't notice a lot, you, you, you realize you don't know as much about, I, at least what I hear is you don't know as much yeah. as, as you think you do and that there's only a few days of your cycle you can conceive and, um, and then a lot of people are getting up coming off birth control for the first hormonal birth control for the first time. And like, Oh, I have really irregular cycles or pain, you know, painful, uh, periods. So, and, you know, kind of recognizing early symptoms of conditions that might affect their fertility. Um, so it is very useful, even if you're not even trying to get pregnant. I think about 
about, you know, 30, 40% of people on it aren't even trying to get pregnant. Mm -hmm. They're just trying to understand their bodies and, um, and then, but it's pretty even of those trying to get pregnant, pregnant. Um, and then we also support new parents too, as well. Oh, you do? So it continues on like how to deal with a six month old or a one month old in education? I or? should uh, download that one now. <laughs> <laughs> you can, you can uh, in the beginning, you can track your breastfeeding or diapers. And then it's, uh, you know, every day, just information about their, their development or health and safety. Uh, it's, you know, very, it's all the whole experience of very like, health and, um, oh, I hear a little baby in the air. It's very, you know, health and safety focused about understanding, you know, your patterns as a baby. Does that cry mean that she's hungry? Or yes, does it, it does. does. <laughs> Do we need to terminate this interview? No. <laughs> My husband's on it. <laughs> All right, cool. You can um, invite your husband to it. <laughs> uh, so how has um, you know, since we met, now you've now you've started families, you got married. Um Gina, I was at your wedding. I missed yours, Emma. Um, but has getting married and starting a family and continuing on in your careers, uh, have, have your priorities changed? Or yeah, I mean, I think um, it's been interesting to coincide because I actually got married last year, too. So it was all, I got married, a baby pandemic, a lot of things changed. Um, and one thing that I, I feel like I now, I used to travel like a lot for work um, and I used to get like really excited to travel. And that was like a really exciting part of my job is seeing schools all over the country and traveling. And I don't know, I mean, it's hard to tell because it's coincided with obviously no travel for the last, you know, year-ish. Um, but I, I definitely feel more like I want to be at home um, than I mm -hmm. used to. Like I'm not as excited even when things open up to, to necessarily like, get on a plane and go to other parts of the country for extended periods of time. So I feel like that has changed in my priority. Um, and um, yeah, so we'll, we'll see, we'll see when things, when things open up and, and, you know, my daughter's older and how I feel, but that, that sort of it, it very tangibly felt different for me in the last, last few months. Yeah. How about you, Gina? I mean, I'm in a little different situation where I think having kids helped me in my <laughs> <laughs> career uh, and, um, <laughs> and then starting the organization have had a big hand in trying and making it a place where people um you know are celebrated for having kids and it's very flexible for all people regardless if you have kids or not um, i think my prioritization has changed <laughs> i don't know if you've noticed i feel like i get so much more done now and it's time because i no longer have my weekends and my evenings and and all this to like oh if i don't get to it i could just do it on saturday afternoon or tonight uh so so in some ways um it's affected me there but overall i think i just have different expectations of um <laughs> uh, you know what uh between work or, or at home. Like I, I think some days I'm like, Oh, I was a really good mom today or a really good professional today. Neither, never both. <laughs> and I'm completely uh, okay with it. <laughs> you know, you only have bandwidth to be a good mother or a good person at work. That's one, one per day. No, I think it's, it's, uh, you know, you, I don't know if you feel that, that you, some days you feel like, oh, okay, I was really good at work today, but I missed, you know, I missed dinner. I missed this. 
Mm-hmm. But or you know, I was like really there for my kids, but then I couldn't go to this work event. But I, I don't know. At some point, I just realized that everybody at work thinks I'm great and respects me <laughs> and aren't thinking the same thing. And then yeah. my kids love me no matter what. So <laughs> uh, I just let go of of any sort of um, feeling like I needed to constantly balance or weigh one against the other or change my priorities. Uh, I just you know just changed my perspective, I guess. Yeah. yeah, I've only been back at work um, for a month since my maternity leave. So it's like all new to me trying to figure out, okay, how do I balance the time? Um, but I am like definitely more focused during my work time than I used to be because I'm like, I, we got to decide this now. Yeah. I'm not going to like go away and do more research. <laughs> like We got to figure it out now. Um, and we have, uh, t- I have two stepdaughters who are older, who are eight and nine, um, and they're in school, you know, and so school has been remote a large percentage of the time. So there's also been like balancing their school here during my maternity leave. Um, and then now going back to work, uh, my husband's on leave. Uh, so he, he's taking care of the baby full time, um, which I feel really grateful for. Um, but so it's like constantly changing. And I feel like that's also something that I've, I've learned, like as a new mom, it's like, it's always changing. Like, it's not, it's not like, oh, I finally figured out her sleeping and now it's going to be fine. It's like, no, I'm never going to figure this out. <laughs> she'll grow. She'll change. She'll tell me what she needs. Um, and I actually feel like that's been great for me at work. Cause it's, it's like carried over into my work. I feel like I've been a little bit more understanding and flexible and like, oh, okay, we'll figure it out. And maybe I would have been before because I now have this baby experience. That's just like a totally different kind of of experience where i'm like learning from learning about this baby and how to how to best be you know be a great mom for her yeah that's cool uh, you know your conversation just made me think a little bit about coaching i um i have a personal coach now an executive coach for reals and uh, i always thought that was the dumbest i was like who would get a coach and i thought personal training was dumb because i just if I don't experience it i'm like egotistical or something and now i realize how great it is and it's got gina you're your app and your company is kind of helping coach people through their experience. Um, and I was curious if that's kind of one way you view it. And also like similarly in, in your own careers, like uh, do you have other mentors that help you uh, figure out how to deal with like all the competing demands on your time? The, on the first one, it's absolutely that. I mean, when we work with a health plan, we will assign each person on the on the platform uh, a kind of dedicated team of, of specialists and health coaches from baby sleep counselors to lactation counselors and pregnancy coaches that are there to you know help them with every decision from birth control after baby to breastfeeding. And... Um, but it's and it's funny. I do tap into them uh-huh. <laughs> quite a bit, and I, But I, I, I too haven't had. Um, I've had the ability to do the executive coach many times, like avail, like a sponsored ability, been, and chosen not to do it out of time. Uh, but I'm curious, Emma, if you if you've ever done yeah. that. I've had two different executive coaches in the last ten years. Um, different, but like both really, really helpful at different points in my career. I think the first one was at a point where I was beginning to manage more of a team and sort of was more of a coach around like management and interpersonal uh, like relationships and management and how to motivate 
a team and build a team. And then my second coach was more like strategic, like how to think about building out a sort of business line and how to think about um, the strategy of the work. Um, and both were kind of, I think maybe almost a year each at different points. Uh, mm -hmm. But I thought they were great. It was great. It was kind of like a professional therapist, like someone who you could kind of go to and share all your problems and they weren't judging you or, you know, they didn't know anybody else in the office. So it was, there was no, like, you know, there was no preconceived notions. And then they were like really helpful. You know, they often went and talked to people on the team or learned other contexts to give me feedback. So um, I, yeah, I, I appreciated both of those opportunities. That's cool. So is that a person that like the achievement network, uh, like yeah. they have internal people that coach people when they no. start a new position or did they go out and get this person for you? Um, we do have people who coach when people start a position and we also do coaching right as part of our work. Um, but in this case, we, this was an external person who two different external people who I got, you know, I, I got, was fortunate enough to get some professional development dollars to pay for, um, to have, to have as like my own professional development. Yeah, they're not inexpensive resources. No. <laughs> no. I'm like, I don't have my company has no revenue, and I'm paying for a coach. It's this is the numbers don't add up, but they will someday. But hopefully, it'll pay off. <laughs> it will. It actually is. It actually is very, yeah. very helpful. Um, like I've made way more progress, and you get a perspective yeah. from somebody that you know has a different skill set or different set of network and it's kind of like going through an MBA coach or an MBA program while you're actually doing a startup. Yeah. So. And especially as an entrepreneur, you don't have like a, a manager or someone who's like charged with supporting you in your growth um, as a as a professional. Like I've always had wonderful managers who have really helped me to grow as well. But you're starting something from scratch, you're you know, you're it. So yeah, that's cool. Um, so, Gina, are you um, at Ovia from This Is It? This is like your guys are going to go public and uh, that you never have to get another job? I mean, I hope it's <laughs> no, my I, I've always thought about it in, in terms of, um, you know, I'm there until. I think that where the company is there until every kind of major condition we've tackled. Yeah. So once we help people through menopause, once we help people through um, other conditions that, you know, adversely affect women or children. Um, so that's what keeps me motivated is kind of like the next condition area or the next um, life stage that we could support a person on. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm still very motivated <laughs> even after eight, eight years or so. Uh, That's really exciting. So you can, or you're, <laughs> you have to stay there long enough to do the videos for menopause. That's what I've actually, just, <laughs> <laughs> I've actually said, like, I'm doing the menopause videos for OBS. <laughs> uh, she has a long tenure here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. Uh, <laughs> it's not that. I'll, I'll look forward to this. <laughs> You first. Uh, Emma, what about you? Are you going to um, stay in education? Do you want to yeah. quit I'm, working altogether and just be a mom? No, I mean, I, I'm really motivated, too, by what I do. I mean, the inequities in education that we're trying to tackle are pervasive, persistent. Um, they're grounded in systemic racism. They're grounded in, like, real, real issues that our country has to tackle. And so, to me, there is no bigger challenge than providing an equitable education to every kid in this country. And I think 
um, I am renewed with the sense of possibility um, that you know we can keep going to tackle tackle that and that there's so much brilliance out there in young people across the country that deserve to be you know to shine so you know I, I stay motivated by that and I think I'll I'll be at ANET as long as it you know I'm the right person for this job and I'm the right person to, to serve the mission that we have. Oh, that's great. Are there any like, I don't know, takeaway lessons from 10 years of looking at education on what we're doing right collectively or what we're doing wrong or or, or just lessons from from COVID? Like, you know, it's, yeah. people see bright spots and then they see failures because of what, what the virus forced upon us. Um, so many lessons. I think one that we hold dear is leadership matters, um, really matters. Leadership in the classroom matters. Leadership at a school matters. Leadership at a district matters. Like the quality of that leadership and ability to have a vision, to motivate people behind that vision, to take steps and execute towards that vision, to communicate, to engage communities around a vision. Like it really does matter. It makes a difference. Um, and then I think to belief, like the belief uh, in students, like you you cannot be in education if you don't have a belief that every student in front of you can learn and can achieve at the highest levels. And where you have that belief, you see better outcomes. Um, and that, you know, kids know, like there's, there's, a, there's evidence to show that like, if you give students a survey about their teacher, they're going to rate that teacher more accurately than the, the people who are observing the teacher. Like, the, the kids sitting in classrooms know. They know which teachers they love and are great and are motivating them. They know which have room to grow. Um, and so if you ask kids what they think, like they will tell you. And if we listen to them, like we will make a better education system. Can you teach these the leadership that you need or do yeah. you need to bring it in? I think you can teach it. I think you can teach it. You can coach it. Um, I think education doesn't always have the infrastructure that business has to provide that kind of coaching and training. Um, and it also has different incentives um, as a public system. But it's absolutely, this is all, it's all teach, it's all teachable. Yeah. How about you, Gina? Any big lessons? Like you've been at this uh, trying to, I don't know if you're changing the system, right? You guys are trying to build a new system that, that helps people through, but uh, any takeaways from, from what we need to do better in this world for helping I would, mothers? I would think that, uh, I, don't, I don't think we're trying to build a new system. I think for, for us, we are trying to work with the existing healthcare infrastructure. We're not you know, adding new providers on top, for example. We're trying mm -hmm. to help a pregnant woman who gets you know, severe headaches in her third trimester to go see her doctor um, and improve that relationship. Uh, the uh, and we do like at a, a part of what we're doing though is is training health plans and training employers how to think differently. Um, especially, Emma, you talked about how COVID has changed. <laughs> you know, these clients have come to you for very different reasons. It's the same. Yeah. Right? You know, our employer clients, for example, um, we had we are introducing new services on how to make a decision about sending your kid back to school or, or going yeah. out to work and in coaching people through those very personal decisions. Uh, but uh, in, in terms of what I've, what I've learned is that, you know, similar to Emily, like people are very coachable. Like there's, there's no greater time to make a change about your health. And when you're pregnant, 
you're very motivated. Yeah. If you even if you have substance abuse disorder, for example, they'll tell you that's the window of opportunity to make a change and to to get people engaged in a program is is early pregnancy because you want to do everything you can. It's no longer you. It's your this little baby. So at, I feel very similar to Emma in that this is this time where you can make a true impact on someone's life. You're going to give someone a healthy mom. You're going to help somebody, you know, have a better family relationship, like a relationship with their with their partner or, or with the family, whatever that family is. Uh, and you could, yeah, you make a difference in someone's long term well being by just helping somebody through the decisions of, you know, what is eating healthier, or going on a walk, or or choosing the right provider that's going to listen and respect you. Um, amidst all of the challenges, as, as Emma mentioned, are in, in education, the same are in our in, in oh, yeah. Wow, cool. Well, um, I'm kind of running out of questions. <laughs> <laughs> um, the one thing that is interesting to me, uh, looking at just hearing this conversation, is I remember the the mission of Harvard Business School is to teach leaders who make a difference in the world. And I got to say, I I'm impressed. I didn't really realize how much a difference you guys are making. So uh, I really uh, appreciate you spending time to talk to me and uh, to tell people about what you're doing. And, uh, you know, I, I feel kind of inspired that the, the world can get better. And I'll see you guys later. Thanks. Great catching up with you. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I don't know where the baby went. <laughs> All right. Take care, you guys. Bye. Bye.